Oh, wow. Well, thank you. I always knew there was chemistry between us, but uh, <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> it's uh, such a great privilege to be with you. And uh, just realized this table moves. Okay, there we go. That's fine. Thank you. And um, just a, a real privilege to be here. I appreciate there are some guests and visitors, and uh, we've not met, but it's, it's wonderful to be with you. And uh, it's great to read and, and, and see all the postings of all the good things God is doing. Uh, most weeks, it seems somebody's being baptized, which is great, or, or testifying to victory over cancer. So it's wonderful to be in a place where we sang, God, you're moving, to, to be amongst you and to, to be able to say, God is really moving here. God is moving here. So that's good. And I bring greetings from our friends at home and was in touch with Richard Jones this morning who said, please pass his love on to you all. So feel, feel the love of Rich. And um, I want to share this morning on a matter of first importance something of the utmost priority, uh, which is the great opportunity, the great invitation that we all have to enjoy a really fantastic relationship with the Holy Spirit. A lifelong, life-changing partnership which brings tremendous peace and wonderful power into our lives. A relationship with the Holy Spirit, which gives security and is full of creative, energizing, exhilarating moments and events and times a relationship that's thrilling and exciting. And at such a time as this, with all the so evident challenges that uh, are around us and, and maybe in our own lives and situations, but also the, the incredible opportunities that are here for us at this time, at a time such as this, I believe this relationship is more vitally imperative than ever. And Jesus invites us. We'll come to this, but, but he says, come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Um, this, re this relationship with the Holy Spirit is, is much more than desiring to move in the gifts of the Spirit. It's more even than allowing and enjoying the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives. They, they are the outcomes. They are the benefits. But, but at the heart, is a relationship with him. And I'd like to turn you to John's Gospel and that we could read some, we could read what Jesus said, what Jesus says about this relationship. So John's Gospel, we'll read a few verses from here. Uh, and I mean, starting in John 14. John 14, we're going to read um, a few verses from chapter 14, chapter 15, and then chapter 16. John 14, verse 15, reading from the Holman Bible. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him. I think we could all say that. You do know him. Because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. And then uh, verse 25. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send him in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've told you. 
and then into chapter 15, verse 26. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also will testify because you've been with me from the beginning. And then into chapter 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of the world has been judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. And he will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. And this is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. There's a lot in there. Jesus is with the 12 when he's saying all this. He's with the 12 at the Last Supper. And it's an evening of profound significance during which he talks about washing feet. He shares the bread and wine with them. He talks about his body, his blood. He predicts his betrayal. He predicts that Peter will deny him three times. He gives them a new commandment to love one another. He teaches about the vine and the branches and, and other things as well. And he talks about going away, of leaving his disciples. And I was thinking about, I was trying to imagine being in that meal situation, being in that room with him, in that Last Supper, with all those things going on, wondering what, what on earth would have, would have been impacting the hearts and minds and thoughts of the Twelve, how they, would, how they would take all that in. And what would have been the most impacting thing for them to have experienced and seen and heard? And I don't know, but, but the thought of him going away, about to leave them, after all they've been through together. And, and, and we know from other scriptures, it was so difficult for them to get their heads around this, that he'd be going somewhere, that he'd be leaving. That must have been particularly hard to take in. But Jesus says, it is better for you that I go. It's better for you. It's for your benefit. We read that. It's for your benefit that I go because then I will send to you the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is helping them to grasp that that relationship with the Holy Spirit is filled with sensational possibilities. It's better that I'm not with you, that I'm not walking alongside you, that I'm not, I'm not eating with you anymore. It's better that I'm not performing miracles with you. It's better that I'm not here teaching you. It's better that I go because then I'll be able to send the Holy Spirit, sensational possibilities for them and for us. He describes the Holy Spirit in the verses we read as another counselor, another counselor. And, and the words he uses there, it means, first of all, another of the same kind, another like Jesus. And the word for counselor, you've probably heard this one, parakletos. It means somebody who's close beside. It comes from a couple of words. The first is, is, is to make a call. A legal advocate who, who makes the right judgment call because he's close enough to the situation. Close alongside. 
And the, I don't know what your translation used there, a counselor, advocate, intercessor, consoler, comforter, helper. I love that description of the Holy Spirit. He's the helper. If you read the, um, the message uh, paraphrase, he's simply described as the friend, capital F. I'll send the friend. The friend is here. The helpers amongst us, the counselor, the advocate, the one who's so close that he can always make the right call. Another just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a person, a person like Jesus who comes alongside to help, to counsel, to comfort, to intercede. In fact, he doesn't just come alongside, he comes to live in us. Hands up if a friend like that would be welcome in your life. Amen. He's the friend. He's the helper. And he comes to help us. And because he's just like Jesus, he's just as passionate in his love for you and his love for me as individuals and in his love for us as a church, and in his love for the world. And I want to share with you this morning how he comes to help in those three areas. How he comes to help, first of all, us as individuals. How he comes to help you and me individually, personally. He's, he comes to help me. He's my friend. But then how he comes to help us as a church together. How he comes to help us corporately. And then because he loves the world, how he comes to help us reach the world. Okay? And I'd just like to focus on, on this relationship. And, 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 you know, in any relationship, in, in this wonderful chemical relationship that Deborah and I have with each other, this explosive, dynamic relationship, and, you know, we, we both bring something to the relationship. I want to just focus on what the Holy Spirit brings to this relationship, what he brings into this relationship. Amen? And so starting with how he helps you and I personally. His work starts in you and I. He, he's our greatest friend. He's committed to helping us every day. And, and here's some of the ways he does it. First of all, he brings a tremendous assurance and security and confidence because Jesus said, he will be with you forever. Chapter 14, verse 16. I'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. Isn't that, isn't that reassuring? He's never going to leave us. He's never going to walk out. He's never going to bail on you. He's never going to leave you. He will remain with you. In Romans, it talks about the spirit of adoption. He's the spirit of adoption who, who affects our adoption as sons, who causes us, enables us to, say, to, to call him Abba Father. He's never going to leave you, and, and he will lead you and guide you and me. And I just felt as I was thinking about this time with you that for some of us, that's a really, a really significant thing. Where in our lives we've been devastated by a walkout, by being abandoned, to know this friend will never leave you. He lives in you. He's with you. He will be with you forever. That gives us great security, great confidence. He's with me. He's with me in Southport. He's with me in Stony Stanton, which, by the way, is not the back of nowhere. <laughs> I can't believe I just sat there and let Jeff say all that nonsense. Oh, my goodness. Stony Stanton is literally, geographically, factually, the heart of the nation. The, the old Roman roads of the um, Watling Street, which is the A5, and the Foss Way... One goes that way, one goes that way, and right in the middle, 
No more than three miles from Stony Stanton is a place called High Cross, and that was the center of Roman England, the heart of the nation. Our motto as a church is from the heart of the nation to the ends of the earth, including Southport. <laughs> he brings great assurance. He is your best friend. There's no competition, by the way, between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. The Holy Spirit as we read at the end, will glorify Jesus. They're working together. There's no issue there. He, he will also lead you into all the truth. He's the spirit of truth. Jesus said he'll teach you all things. He'll remind you of the words of Jesus. He will guide you into all the truth. And, and, and can you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2? Because there's a lovely description here of, of, of some of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is how he helps you personally. 1 Corinthians 2. One of the biggest impacts for me of beginning a relationship with the Holy Spirit when he, when he baptized me into his life and power, one of the biggest impacts was, my, was, it, was a, a love for the Scriptures. Again, there's no, there's no conflict between spirit and word. You can't be charismatic and not respect the Scriptures. You can't claim to be Bible-believing and ignore everything it says about the Holy Spirit. And, and I love this in, um, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10. It says, Now God has revealed them to us by the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the concerns of a man except the Spirit of the man that's in him? And in the same way, no one knows the concerns of God except the Spirit of God. And we have received the Spirit who is from God in order that we may know what's been given to us by God. You know, if, if you want to have any revelation in the Scriptures, to, to see any of the deep things of God, to, to, to understand any of the concerns of God, it's the Spirit of God who leads us into all that truth. He leads us into truth. He will also keep you clean. The Holy Spirit will keep us clean because he will convict us of sin and he will tell us when he's been grieved, when he's been quenched, when he's been upset or when he's been stifled. He, he will prick our conscience. He'll disturb our peace. And he'll make us really uncomfortable because he loves us until we put things right. And he'll always show us how to do that as well. I, um, I've used this example a few times, but, but some time ago, some years ago, I was spending one Saturday preparing to speak the following morning. And um, I just felt no revelation, no, no sense of what God wanted me to share. I was going round in circles. Anybody who preaches ever felt that? <laughs> and all the while, I knew there was something I had to deal with. There was a phone call I needed to make. There was somebody I needed to apologize for. I'd said something about somebody, and, and the Holy Spirit, because he's so loving and such a great friend, was not letting me just, you know, move on. I had to deal with this. And, and I, it was gonna, I was going to be embarrassed to make the phone call because I didn't want to do it. But but I just knew the Holy Spirit was just prodding me, poking me, pricking me. I had no peace. He wasn't speaking to me. Well, he was speaking to me. He was speaking about that. <laughs> and um, eventually I humbled myself, made the call, went much better than I expected, put that thing right, sat back down with the word. He flooded with me with the, the glorious revelation. I soon knew what I was meant to speak the next day. It's just a little example, but I'm sure we've all got them. But the Holy Spirit if we allow him to, will keep you clean. Keep you clean. He is the key to staying full of the Spirit, to keep short accounts, to put things right quickly. And he keeps us clean so that we can stay in his blessing. Let him, let him uh, keep you clean. The other thing the Holy Spirit will do for you personally, and this is pretty sensational, he prays for you. He intercedes for you. Romans 8, 
verses 26 and 27. The Spirit himself intercedes for us. And I, I think that has two meanings. He, 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 he prays through us. He enables us to pray. He intercedes for us on our behalf. But I think he's also praying for you, interceding for you. The most powerful intercessor in the universe is praying, Claire, for you. Master notice giver you. He's praying for you. The one who hovered over the earth. The one who came upon Jesus in power. The one who effected his resurrection from the dead. The one who directed all the action in the book of Acts is praying for you. Through you. For you. He loves you. He's your advocate. He's speaking on your behalf. He's your greatest friend. And this relationship with him is destined to be sensational. Amen. Imagine, close your eyes with me a moment, and imagine a church just like this. Maybe even in Southport. Maybe even called the community church. Imagine the impact of a church where every member is secure because he has assured them their sons and daughters of God is rooted in truth, is living clean, and is being prayed for by the Holy Spirit. What a friend we have. Amen. He helps us personally. And then secondly, he helps us corporately. As a church, he helps you. How does he do that? Well, again, in a number of ways. First of all, he's the one that brought you together. And I find this just fantastic. Um, it says in, um, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, we were baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. The Holy Spirit has brought you guys together. I mean, just have a, have a look around the room right now. And how many of these people would you have chosen as your friends? Some of them maybe, but you know, not all of them, come on. But God's done a wonderful thing here. From, from the four corners of this little remote place back of beyond in the northwest of England, <laughs> the Holy Spirit has designed something. You've been baptized by one spirit into this body, brought you together. There's other ways of looking at that, but, but just go with me for now. He's brought you together as part of this body of Christ. He really loves his church. We, um, amongst our leadership team at home, one of the things that we've, we've declared to one another is that we're together for the rest of our lives. And I just think that's true amongst many of you as well. Together forever. And he's with you. God's baptized you by his spirit not just so we can speak in tongues, we'll come on to that, and that's, that's not a small thing, but there's much more than that. He's baptized you into one body by his spirit. And he anoints every part of that body. He's, he's the one who gives the gifts. He's the one who, who graces us with special abilities so that the body can be built up and come to maturity and and in, in the end of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 4.16, it says, as, the whole, as, the, as each part of the body does its own special work, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, the simplest way for this church to fulfill all the prophecies God has spoken over you, all the, all the promise, all the potential, the, the simplest way for for this church, and indeed any church, to, to be utterly fulfilled, and I'm going to say it again, is to let the body be the body. It's just to say, Lord, I mean, I've got the advantage of looking at you all at the same time here, but, but in this place, in this body, young or old, students or, or retired, everybody in between, God has designed this body, and everything this body needs is here. in full bloom or just poking through 
or maybe still in seed form and needing some watering and tending and caring, but, but everything needed is here. I believe that. And once you start to see the body like that, it changes everything. The, the, the job of the leadership here is, is, to, is to make space for everything to come through in fruition. Everything to blossom, to, give, to, to, to recognize and see and make the way and, and encourage and cheer on all the parts of the body. The Holy Spirit has anointed every part of this body, will anoint every part of this body. We don't believe in um, clergy and laity, although we do love the Reverend Jess, Jeff. The very, the most, the most highly reverend Jeffrey. But we don't, we don't practice that. We, that's, that's just not the body. It's not the, it's not the church in the, but the church in the Bible is a body. And every part has a part to play. Hallelujah. He anoints the body. And then he gives gifts into the body. And he gives everything we need. I believe you've had a lot of teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, the charismatic expressions, which, which are manifestations of himself. They're just, they're just little ways he shows himself to be amazing. <laughs> they're, they're, they're power tools. They're, they're ways that he comes in and says, I'm going to help you. I'm, I'm just going to take you out of all human limitation and add something into the mix here, which is from heaven. Something supernatural a power tool just to get the job done. And, and every one of those gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12, nine gifts of the Spirit, nine charismatic manifestations of the Spirit. They're just ways he shows himself to be amazing and powerful and wonderful. In your way, to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Has anybody ever known God? Um, anybody ever known that situation where you lost your keys? And yeah, oh, the groan, groaning and uh, all around there, lost your keys and prayed and, and suddenly you found your keys. Or maybe, um, just lost your phone maybe, for example, Jeff, lost your phone. Oh, it was your, key? it was your keys, wasn't it? Lost your keys. Well, I'm not saying it was a word of knowledge, but, but he will help us with the simplest of things and the most, and the most seemingly impossible of things. He's the helper. He's the friend. He's the advocate. He, he's coming to a relationship. And this is, these are things he brings into the relationship. We'll come on to what we bring in a moment. He solves problems. And then, and then in turn of the body, he, he ignites our gatherings. He ignites our gatherings. And when we come to worship in spirit and truth, he's present. He's never our guest. Always our host. He comes. He's the conductor. And from his vantage point, he knows exactly what's needed in the body. He, he can ignite the gathering. He can move over here and move over there. And, and it's been great to hear of, of the times you've enjoyed in his, in his presence in the last few weeks. And I just, you know, just so encourage you to keep making space for that. Let him ignite the gathering. He loves these gatherings. He never misses. He's never too busy on a Sunday to be here. He loves your gatherings. And when he's amongst you, and when he's given space, anything can happen. His living water might not be your cup of tea, but that's just tough. He loves your gatherings. He has a way. He can, he can lift the lid off at any time. Let him do exactly what he wants to do. Hallelujah. One more thing he does for you as a body is he, he enables you to love one another and stay united. This is really important. In Romans, Romans 5 verse 5, it says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And as you come together with all your different backgrounds, your diversities, your your rough edges. He's the one that pours, his, pours the love of God into your hearts to enable you to love one another and stay united. And I, I trust that in this church, there's no place for gossip or slander or unforgiveness. But we're committed to unity and being together and staying together because those other things will, will grieve him and start to close down some of the possibilities, and that's a terrifying thought.
So just close your eyes with me again for a moment and imagine a church where all these secure, rooted in truth, um, individuals who, who are led by the Spirit, imagine a church where they come together, all those individuals come together in one heart and there's no division and everyone is finding and playing their part and using their gifts under the, under the orchestration of the Holy Spirit, enjoying dynamic times together. What a friend. What a friend. But that leads me to the third area where he will help us reach the world. Because whatever he does for me and you personally, whatever he does in our lives corporately, should have an impact, should have a, an outlet, should have a, a ripple or, or even a wave that goes beyond ourselves. Because our friend, our helper, this person who's just like Jesus, so loves the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son. The, the son so loves the world that he sent his spirit. And the Holy Spirit will help us and help you express this love. How does he do that? Well, first of all, he empowers all our mission. If you turn with me to the book of Acts and just the opening verses of the book of Acts, the opening few verses of the book. Who loves the book of Acts? Yeah, we've just finished reading it um, through February, 28 days of Feb and 28 chapters of Acts. So we've been reading as a church a, a chapter a day which is fantastic. But right at the beginning of the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 4, describing Jesus with his disciples just before he ascends into heaven. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they came together, they asked him, Lord, are you about to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, in verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. From the heart of the nation to the ends of the earth. Pentecost wasn't ultimately for the church. It was for the world. You will receive power to be my witnesses. The purpose of Pentecost was to be witnesses. And, and the first thing that happens on the day of Pentecost is 3,000 people are added to the church. That, that was the intended outcome of that baptism in the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are, are not just for Sundays. That's a revelation, isn't it? And, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit is that we can be witnesses. This is the, this is the wave effect. This is the outcome of, of this tremendous blessing and this relationship with this friend. And I was struck to think that the, the early church, it says in, um, I think it's in chapter 17, which is about 20 years after the day of Pentecost. So about 20 years later, it's the, the, the disciples are described as those who have turned the world upside down within 20 years. And they did all that without a New Testament. They had some of the letters, some of the epistles were circulating by them, but the, they didn't have a Bible like we have. They had the Old Testament scriptures, of course, the scrolls, but... But, you know, they didn't have the New Testament like, like we have, but they had the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit, and they turned the world upside down. The Holy Spirit will create in us compassion. Jesus said when he began his own ministry, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, 
to proclaim freedom for captives and sight for the blind. It's, it's said of Jesus that he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to so, um, so bless you and help you personally and do something so significant amongst you as a body that it is all ultimately turned outwards and God through you continues but now increases and accelerates the pace of doing something through you into the world. He wants to fill you with compassion. I remember reading those verses in, in Luke's gospel about Jesus and how he, how he said, the spirit of the Lord is on me, the Lord has anointed me to. Then he talks about people in great need. And when you read what he's quoting from in Isaiah, it talks about those that are mourning, those that are grieving, those that are blind, those that are slaves, those that are imprisoned. I remember saying, praying to the Lord, Lord, I don't feel that same compassion that clearly moved your heart. Saying, Lord, please change me. Please stir me. Please break my heart for some situations. Please don't let me watch the news and be unmoved by it. Please do something in me, Lord, so that I start to feel what you feel. And the Lord immediately answered that prayer. I, I commend that kind of prayer to you, to ask him to stir you, to change you, to, to do something through you, because the Holy Spirit is, is, is a missionary. He loves the lost. And I, there's, he will always move you outwards. He will always take you from the upper room down into the streets to see people saved. He'll never keep you contained in the building. The other thing the early church didn't have was a, was a building to their name. They had houses. So there's nothing wrong with buildings, but, but they mustn't trap us, imprison us. There's a missionary living inside you, and he's itching to turn you outwards, turn you inside out, get you out there. Let him do it. Let me finish with this um, this last point and then finish with something else after that because I'm not quite finished yet. <laughs> and then we'll have a break and we'll come back for part two. <laughs> he wants to make your life a river. Go back into John's gospel, please. And um, before... Before those verses we read at the beginning, Jesus at the Last Supper describing sending the other counselor, another just like me, it's better for you that I go away because then, he'll, then I'll be able to send you the Spirit. It's an amazing thought that, isn't it? Jesus is, um, Jesus is ready to go for all sorts of reasons, but but not least because he knows that when he goes, he can send them the Spirit. What a thought. But in John chapter 4, Jesus talks to a woman at a well. John chapter 4 talks to a woman at a well, and um, he starts to speak to her about what he calls living water. And uh, many of you will know the story. The woman is a woman of Samaria, um, this is in verse 7, and Jesus says, give me a drink. And she, um, uh, she, she is not happy with that. Um, she wonders why he's asking her. And in verse 10, Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Then there's a funny conversation about how she's going to get that kind of living water. And in verse 13, Jesus says, everyone who drinks from this water, the water in that well, will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty again, ever, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up within him for eternal life. Jesus is describing a well of water springing up within us for eternal life. 
And then if you go on um, to chapter 7, he again talks about living water. It's the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And in verse 37, it says, On the last and most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams, of, streams or rivers of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were going to receive, for the Spirit had not yet been received because Jesus had not yet been glorified. All of that happens later. But I love this image, these two images of the well of water springing up for eternal life and the rivers of water flowing from deep within. I just want to say, God wants you to experience both of those. A well of water that's essentially for you. For you. A well to enjoy. Living water day to day in your life. His presence in your life. But secondly, to, en- to know and experience rivers of living water flowing from you. The river's got to go somewhere. The, ri- the well stays there, but the river goes somewhere. And to encourage you in this, what God, whatever God is doing in you, personally, or as a congregation together, He wants it to go from you beyond this place to others. He wants to refresh you so you can refresh others. He wants his life overflowing from you to your friends, to your colleagues, to your workmates. When you go to work tomorrow, how many of you will be doing that? Go to it. That might, that might mean going to the bedroom to work. I don't know. But how many, or, or go to college tomorrow. Keep, keep your hands up, workers. Keep your hands up, college goers. Put your hands up, college goers. Put your hand up if you're going to go anywhere tomorrow where you might meet another human being. <laughs> you're carrying living water. The well inside you, is, it, it blesses you, refreshes you, but there's also rivers flowing from you. And May, it's May, isn't it? You meet people tomorrow just to be confident. There, there's streams of water flowing from you to others. Just imagine yourself leaking wherever you go tomorrow. Leaking. Living water gushing from you. Springing from you. Blessing people. He doesn't want you to contain it. He wants you to enjoy the well of eternal life. The living water. But he also wants there to be rivers, streams of living water flowing from you. Now close your eyes with me again. Don't fall asleep. Imagine a church where the members enjoy secure lives rooted in the truth, so assured of their belonging in the family of God. Holy Spirit's never going to walk out on them. And then when this group, when this church gather together, all those individuals come to be together, they enjoy dynamic gatherings, they enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then they go from that place carrying the life and the blessing of him, of that friendship, carrying the, carrying the benefits of that friendship with him, that relationship with him into all the different worlds that they live in. Lord, I pray as this church goes into all its worlds tomorrow, that living water will be carried by them the blessings of your friendship, all the good things we enjoy, Lord, will be carried by us into our many, many hundreds of worlds tomorrow that living water will flow from. We will be men and women of hope, of peace, of security. Lord, we will convey love and faithfulness. We will will move in gifts of the Spirit in our workplaces and you'll show us things and we'll move in power and dynamic 
in supernatural ways, Lord. I pray that the impact of this church will go way beyond. I pray, Lord, that, that um, these rivers of life, these waters of living, these streams of living water will just flow free, like, like, like those rivers in the Garden of Eden, starting in the, in, the, in the place of God's presence and flowing beyond it into all the world, Lord, we pray. Amen. This is my finishing finish bit. Just to say this, there's a wonderful picture in Ezekiel 47. Hands up if you know what's in Ezekiel 47. Yeah, it's, it's the picture of, of, of the river that gets deeper and deeper. And um, it, 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 this is not like the sea off the coast of Southport. Because in this case, you only have to go a third of a mile and you've moved from it being ankle deep to being knee deep. So there's a picture and, and, and the, the, the prophet is shown this picture. It's in Ezekiel 47, first 12 verses. The prophet is shown a river. And when he first steps in the river, it's only up to his ankles. And then he's led a third of a mile, and then it's up to his knees. Then he goes another third of his mile, and it's up to his waist. And another third of a mile, and it starts in the temple, uh, just under the temple. Another third of a mile, and he says, now it's a river that's so deep that I'm swimming in it. I want to encourage you, church, and, and, and then, sorry, I should say, along the banks of the river are trees for healing. Wherever this river goes, it's living water. Wherever it goes, it's fresh and it changes its whole environment. I feel this is a picture that's most helpful to us at this time. God wants us to go deeper in the things of the Spirit, in our relationship with the Spirit. He wants the living water that's in you to flow out from you. Amen. Amen. And his invitation this morning is come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. There's an invitation to enjoy a fantastic, lifelong, life-changing relationship with the Holy Spirit that will transform you personally, transform us corporately, and through us start to transform the world around us. He invites us, come to me and drink. Our part in the relationship, because everything so far is what he does, what he brings. Our part, I think, is to surrender, get off our high horse, be, disregard whether it's my cup of tea or not, and drink his living water. Throw ourselves in. Thirsty, hungry, come to me. If anybody's thirsty, Come to me and drink. My part is to come thirsty. Lord, I need you. I need this friendship. I want you to lead me and guide me into all the truth. I want you, Lord, to equip me in every situation. I mean, I want you, Lord, to give me peace and security and remind me I'm a son of God. You've adopted me. I want you, Lord, to, to use me to be part of a dynamic gathering, to play my part in the life of this church. That's my part. And I believe when I do that, he will start to transform me and us and the world beyond us. Amen. I've been thinking about how to end today. and just want to um, really just invite you, as Jesus did, just to respond to him when he says, come to me and drink. And perhaps the simplest way in terms of the, the numbers in the room is just to have a think about that. I know you know him. I know much of what I've said is not new. But what a great opportunity to just affirm again, Lord, that's the relationship I want with you. And then when you, when you feel to do that, just to stand up. Say, Lord, I'm coming to you. I want to come to you, Lord, and say, Lord, I want this relationship. Lord, Thank you for all you bring. I bring my part now. I come thirsty. I come hungry. I come to be used. So I just want to encourage you to do that. I'm going to read, a, read one more scripture. And we're going to pray together. 
So just respond to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Take your time. Commitment to a relationship with him. Commitment to drink deeply. Enjoy all that he's got for you. Play your part in the life of the church. Be a blessing to your friends, your colleagues, your classmates, your tutorial groups. Stay clean. Respond to his promptings. Let him fill you with compassion to move you with what moves him. hands to you this morning. We say thank you for being the best friend ever. And Lord, we ask you this morning to um, see our response. And I pray, Lord, that you would, you would draw all of us who are standing, Lord, into a deeper relationship with yourself. Lord, may this church know tremendous blessing in the days ahead. Lord, may every individual who's standing be, um, be propelled into a deeper relationship with you. May the gatherings in this church family and the, the, the fellowship in this church family be marked, Lord, as it says in Acts, by the, by the grace of God, the moving of your spirit. And Lord, as the church reaches out, as living water is carried beyond this place, I pray for tremendous fruit this year. May dozens and dozens be added to this church, Lord, we pray. Lord, this church would experience what it says here in the book of Acts, chapter 9, that the church had peace and being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it increased in number. That's my prayer for this wonderful church, Lord. There'll be peace There'll be a walking in the fear of the Lord and an encouragement in the Holy Spirit and a great increase in numbers. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. God bless you. you great to be with you.